0: Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that tells the story behind the book. It includes insights from authors about how they compose their
1: work, what inspires them, and what they hope you'll take away from their book. Here's your host for this
0: episode of Books on Air, Suzanne Harris.
1: Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Sloan Fremont, filling in for Suzanne Harris. This is a podcast where listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Kimberly Bashlow, author of the book, Little Cherub's Short Stories, Ambie, Jolsey, and Mary Lou's Helping Hand Project. This book tells how a conscious and conscientious approach by young children and families can make a difference globally. Kimberly, I want to welcome you to the show. Oh, thank you very much. So let's start out by telling the audience just a little bit about yourself and how you came to write your book,
0: Little Cherub's Short Stories. I was writing a couple of other projects and decided that they were rather long winded and decided that I wanted to do a, to reach a younger audience uh, with a socially conscious book and also to have the the, the uh, book in a short version so that they could learn from the book be inspired by the book not get bored by the book and be educated uh, as to various is- arising issues and the book's really for between 5 to 11 year olds mhm Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it, so it's what? a series of books, and so I've published three. Um, you mentioned one of them, The Helping Hand Project. So it's a Little sh- Cherub's Short Stories, The first book is Meet Ambie and Julesy, Uh, To Be or Not To Be, Pet is a Question. It's all about learning about pets, and it's an Mm -hmm. introduction to meeting Ambie and Julesy, bringing them home, raising them, finding out their magical kittens, and um, Mm -hmm. teaching them certain things along the way. As the children learn, so do the kittens learn. The second book is Mary Lou's Helping Hand Project. That's about her classmates at Angels Day School. And they learn about charities and fundraising and how to do good for people in the community. And they hold various fundraising events. Um, and within that, they learn that the headmistress actually has magical pendants. And these pendants are there to ins- uh, to inspire children to help endangered species, and that's where their magical adventures really start. So the first two books are introductory, and the third book is um, Ambie and Julesy's Easter Parade, where they go on the grand adventure. Um, so I'll probably read you an excerpt from that.
1: Okay, yeah, and it sounds like there's in your different books there's a lot of um really it sounds like down-to-earth lessons for for kids to learn so of your books what um so what's what what's one of the big themes throughout your books that you're that you want to make sure that after reading that parents maybe could instill into their kids maybe even after the books have been you know after they've read them
0: Uh, it's really about teaching children To be kind, compassionate, to think of others, and also to be conscious of their environment. I mean, the the modern-day theme now is climate change, the environment, and endangered species. So to raise them with that consciousness and teach them ordinary, everyday lessons within the book as well. Um, It touches upon issues like death, fostering, friendship, teamwork. Uh, So... It's quite involved, but it's not boring and it's not heavy. It's short stories and, you know, they're, they're little, little themes within the book.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned reading us an excerpt. Do you want to go ahead and do that now?
0: Yes, okay. So uh, the, the Ambie and Julesy's Easter Parade is, the, is book three of the Little Cherub short stories. Fundraising continues at the Easter Parade for the Donkey Sanctuary. Michael, Beth and Mary Lou Naylor find themselves transported to Peru along with Glennie, their headmistress, Ambie and Julesy, the pendants, the di- diamond and tiger tooth. They help Alverus uh, who appears to them and guides them to the temple of Inti, the Inca sun god, where the never-ending treasures have been hidden during the 15th century for the protection of the Incas and the environment. During the modern day excavation, the nailers find the code word and the Never ending treasures appear. The magic continues.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that that magical element is also I remember being as a kid, you know, that that always appealed to me having that magic element and all the creativity that came with that.
0: Yes, yes. Michael Michael Nailer who's 7 uh, is actually interested and wants to be a magician when he gets older and so that's involved in in the storyline as well future careers and his sister mm, yeah. mary lou is uh, mary lou naylor is five and she's the chosen one she's the one that has the responsibility of looking after the pendants Um, and being, leading the others in their adventures to help the environment, to help endangered species. And the first book, no, the third book concentrates on donkeys and big cats. Um, And then it goes back to the little cherub children at school who also have a social conscience even though they're not involved in the magical element. They are learning uh, show and tell about their pets and how to look after them and about people in society that are different from them like blind people and uh, they also learn about Layla who has been recently orphaned and subsequently becomes uh, fostered by the Nayla family. They learn about her experiences at the Fairview children's home so it's quite involved Um, but it's said in a Entertaining way, and I I hope Mm -hmm. the children enjoy it. And there's pictures within the book, so that helps them to to connect really with the storyline.
1: Right. And so, how did you come up with the main characters for your story? Were they for your books? Were they based on people you knew, or
0: were they just um, ideas that you had and and you created their characters? I created the characters, but Ambie and Julesy, the two magical kittens who who also were orphaned and picked up, um, adopted by Mary Lou and her, her family from Paws and Tails. Um, they were my inspiration was my own two kittens who have now passed away. Um, and I just thought it'd be lovely to write something about them and mm-hmm. make them magical and enduring and endearing. And uh, then I came, I, so that was my life my, my starting point, my own two cats and, mm-hmm. I created the children's story and the family around that and then thought, Mm -hmm. well, why not put in certain elements that will teach children and educate them? Why, why, you know, it's not just a story to read and enjoy, but it teaches you about something about life and then maybe that will inspire you to delve more deeply into that area because uh, children's minds are like sponges and, you know, if you can excite that interest they might go on to look into it to do a project on it or maybe even later in life it might become a career for them who knows hmm yeah well yeah you never know how um, you
1: know a story can touch someone's life and you know they can remember yes. that as they grow older I think that's, yes. yeah, so that's that, really that, important
0: that's why I say that there's the three elements to it it's educational inspirational and also entertaining. Mhm.
1: Yeah. Well, and I love how you brought your your own pets who had passed on into the story because that's such a great way to have their memories live on as well. Yes, yes.
0: I thought it was a bit of a legacy to them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I understand that completely. <laughs> um, and people, people so, bond so much with their pets. And oh, part yes. of the story in in the first book to be or uh, to uh, meet Ambie and Julesy, to be or not to be pet is the question. They learn about pets, and that's where Mary Lou comes up with the idea that she wants some cats. And that's how it all starts. They go down to pools and tells and then later on discover the cats are magical, the kittens are magical, and that's where their adventures will start. Mm-hmm. So
1: as you were writing your books, what's your favorite story, or what story stands out of all the,
0: the edu- educational stories throughout your books? Well, I'm quite... Uh, into environmental issues, so endangered species and thinking about the planet, that, those are the areas that I, I like best. I also... uh, I also worked for a long time in the voluntary sector which in advice and assistance and advocacy for people who are vulnerable in in various ways and so those areas where they go to the Association for the Blind and learn about guide dogs and you know they they uh, think about Places like Bernardo's that look after children, they're they're quite important aspects. They're my favorite bits because they do touch uh, upon my former careers in life. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: And so was there anything that was difficult for you to write about? Um, The
0: death aspect, Uh, Layla lost her parents when she was four, and so that's was quite difficult to think about how a child would feel and you know what what how they would react and also death's uh, a bit of a uh, it can be a bit stigmatized it can be a bit um, scary particularly to young children so I had to think really about that aspect and put it in a certain way but I I hope I've shown that her feelings and the way she worked through it and the help that she got and eventually came across the nailers who fostered her shows that out of real pain and hardship you know you can find solace and happiness again
1: hmm yeah and those lessons those life what I mean these are big topics these are big topics for adults <laughs> so um, exactly yeah children yes. you know it's, yes. it's even even bigger I'd imagine yeah so I, I, I love your your gentle I can hear as you're explaining it your gentle approach to this in a way that's not only um, educational but also leaves that lasting um, memory from from mm. what they've read
0: yes yes mm-hmm. they, they're going to come across situations in life just like the, the situations outlined in the book and more, I mean, I'm going to be writing more more short stories. And that's one of the reasons I chose to, to make it short stories so that you could touch upon many aspects of life. Right, but, um, right. Yes, I, I hope they really take to the environmental issues mm-hmm. as well.
1: Yes, and so what are you the most proud of as it relates
0: to your books and maybe even your writing process? The fact that I actually put pen to paper and wrote them, (laughs) to be quite honest, because I always wanted to write, but, you know, various things got in the way. I always thought to myself after reading great books when, you know, at school and what have you, that I wanted to write. And in in some ways I did because I did train legally and so a lot of writing went on there and a lot of projects and and what have you. But I thought I wanted to write fiction and I didn't quite know where to go with it and in some ways it was born out of my own grief when when i lost my parents and for some mm. reason i just started putting pen to paper and it just all the ideas came flowingly and i'm i'm quite proud that i've presented these books to young children for educational and entertainment purposes so yes it was uh, it was a long road but i eventually got there
1: <laughs> yeah well, and so do you have any advice for anybody listening who's interested in writing or starting out writing and maybe um, is a little hesitant or doesn't really know where to get started?
0: Well, the thing that inspired me was I, I was I was in various choirs, and one day we were invited along to um, a creative workshop, and I attended, and the lady there said, you might be a little apprehensive and frightened, but just write anything about yourself. Uh, and I'll give you five minutes. And, it, you know, about your first job, for example, which I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she read it and she said, this is really interesting. <laughs> Have you ever <laughs> thought about creative writing? And that inspired me because, right. you know, we all feel a bit inconfident and self-confident, and, you know, self-appraising and um i thought well if she finds it interesting maybe other people would find my writing interesting and so that inspired me to to give it a go really Mm -hmm. so maybe creative workshops and getting people to read your writing or if you're just shy starting out it's a bit like art isn't it you start off thinking i can't draw And you put pen to paper and then gradually, hopefully, your your drawings get better. And then someone might say, you've got a real talent. And that might inspire you to maybe go on courses or just move ahead with with your drawings and paintings. And it's the same with creative writing, I would say, that, you know, just start out slowly and maybe join some courses and, and get some feedback. And if, if it's no good, then it's no good. And if it is, well, people will give you that positive feedback. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I love asking um, authors that question because it's pretty much everybody feels the same. Everybody yes. I talk to, everybody feels like they were apprehensive at first. They were unsure that they could do it. Um, yeah. but somewhere along the way, they got to. Someone encouraged them in different ways, and then they ended up doing it and surprised themselves. And I think that's important to remind, especially the listeners, because um, everybody it it can feel very alone when you're, you know, when you're starting out with something. And so, um, you know, ask that question because it's
0: everybody pretty much feels the same. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's a solitary. Yes, it's a very solitary um, activity. Um, uh, yeah. so, but the thing is, once you get into it, if you've got an inquiring mind and a creative mind, you, you just find that you haven't got enough hours in the day, you because yeah, writing tech does very- take up a lot of hours uh, and yeah. the process of publishing and, and getting the, the books together. Um, so I'm quite proud that I actually managed to publish these, these three books. And I've, I'm, I'm going on to another fourth book in the Little Cherub Short Stories. But these books can be ordered by Ex Libris, um X-L-I-B-R-I-S so orders at xlibrispublishing.co.uk or you can go on Amazon uh, you can order them or go on Kindle on Amazon and for the American listeners uh, Barnes and Noble as well um, okay. you can order them from and I'll, them so.
1: okay and I'll put the links in the show notes there so the listeners can find
0: that and Kimberly I want to yes. thank you for joining us this week and being our guest Yes, oh, thank you very much for being interested in my book and talking about it with me. And uh, well, I hope you can read some of them and actually see if you, you like them yourself.
1: Yes, yes, and like I said, as I, I love hearing you explain it and your, um, these topics. Uh, as I said, also are you know they're big topics that I think everyone can benefit. So, um, yes. Kimberly, again, thank you for joining us. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And a pleasure to, for me too. Thank you, Sloane. My guest today has been Kimberly Bachelot, author of the book, Little Cherub Short Stories, Ambie, Jolsey, and Mary Lou's Helping Hand Project. And as I mentioned, you can find her books on Amazon, and I'll link to that in the show notes. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's gonna be here and you never know what we're gonna talk about. Thank you so much for listening.